Turn with me please this morning to 1 Peter, the first chapter. 1 Peter chapter 1. We've been on a series recently of, uh, we're calling Precious in His Sight. And um, it's about your and my identity, who we are and what we are. And I believe it's very important. I I believe we're doing this at the leading of the Lord. In 1 Peter 1 and uh, 18, 1 Peter 1, 18. He said, you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Verse 19, but, in other words, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Some translations say costly. Precious here means costly. The costly blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Let's read some other translations of this. In the New Century, the NCV says, In the past you were living in a worthless way, a way passed down from the people who lived before you. But you were saved from that useless life. Can you live in a worthless way? Can you live a useless life and actually waste your life? You can. And it is one of the saddest things happening on the planet. Because life is so short. It is so brief. And you can waste your life. And live in a worthless way. And one of the worst things about it. Is when you're doing Only useless things and worthless things you feel useless and worthless. And that's miserable and tormenting. You know, a lot of people talk about the American dream or whatever dream from your country you're from. And the objective is to make a bunch of money or at least enough To be comfortable, retire or retire early if you can, and then just fish and play golf and shop and travel. Well, it's okay to fish some, golf some, travel some, spend some. But if that's all you do, you're going to feel useless. If that's all you do, month after month and year after year, and you know It's not helping anybody. It's not accomplishing anything. And all you're doing is waiting to die. (laughs) That's not what we were created for. That's not the ultimate in living. Is it? The Lord has planned for us a useful life. A fruitful life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he has made us worthy. He's made us worth something. And when we're doing what he directs us to do, it will be useful. 
It will be helpful. It will be fruitful. Amen. Do you want to know it? You have to seek it. And find it. And follow it. And fulfill it. He said you were living in a worthless way. A way that was passed down from the people who lived before you. Sometimes you'll have people that are living just like their great, great, great grandfather did. And he lived a useless life. Well, if it was good enough for granddad, it's good enough for me. Not necessarily. Uh Uh-uh. But you were saved from that useless life. Man, that'd be enough for us to jump up and run around the property and shout for the next two hours. Because somebody say, I was saved from a useless life. Oh, come on, say it real loud. I was saved from a useless life. I'm not useless. I'm not worthless. And my life is not useless and worthless. Glory to God. You were bought. Not with something that ruins like gold or silver. Can you see through, through this whole passage. He's talking about value. And worth. You were bought. How were, how were we saved from a useless life? We were redeemed, which means we were bought. We were bought back from a useless life to a, a worthy life. You're bought not with something that ruins like silver and gold, keep going, but with the precious, costly, vastly expensive blood of Christ, the pure and perfect lamb. Oh, somebody say, glory to God. The Weiss translation says, with the costly blood, the highly honored blood of the Lamb, without blemish and spotless, the blood of Christ. Oh, somebody say, glory to God. Glory to God. So we begin talking about our identity, who we are what we are. And you say, what does that have to do with being bought by the blood? Everything. Everything. We're going to get to that, I believe, by the grace of the Lord. We're going to get to that. And you're going to shout. But you can shout about some other things until then. We need a foundation laid. I went into some detail about my childhood and my growing up and what my identity was as a boy, as a teenager, as a young man. And the reason I did it is because I wanted you to think about yours and your identity. And I talked about, you know, I was born in the South and I was born to the Moore family. And so I'm a Moore boy. I'm a country boy. I talked about uh, getting involved in some athletics. And so that was part of my Identity, and then I I got got involved in in fast cars, and that was part of my identity. And uh, a pretty blonde girl that I began to date, and that was a part of my identity. And that pretty girl is still with me. And uh, then uh, even in ministry, that uh, I identified with, I was the. Uh, I was the young man that taught at the healing school. I, Phyllis and I were the young couple that helped uh, Brother Hagen 
uh, traveled with them and helped them some. And the, but the uh, reason I said all that is if your identity is in anything that you can lose, it's in the wrong thing. Amen. You're in danger of losing who you think you are. And when you lose your identity, you lose your sense of value and worth. What makes you worth something to the people around you, to this world, to this life? And so people's identity are in all kind of things. Last week we talked about your looks, (laughs) beauty, or handsomeness, whatever you want to call it. And we saw how that everybody's body is a flower that blooms and then fades. Hmm? And I don't care what you take and how many procedures you have, that's happening. And I'm not knocking that. If you do something make you feel better about yourself, okay. But if you begin to feel like you're losing your identity... Because your looks are changing. It's because your identity was in the wrong thing to start with. You see uh, athletes who are top in their field. And then maybe they sustain an injury that they can't continue to play. And some of them just run off the rails. I mean they just become drunkards and drug addicts. And they gamble their money away. They do stupid stuff. They they get suicidal. Why? Because they were the quarterback for such and such. They were the Olympic gold medalist. Now what are they? I said if your identity is in anything that you can lose or that can be taken from you, it's in the wrong thing. And your house is built on the sand. And it's just a matter of time till you're going to have a collapse. You're going to have an identity crisis. You're going to be shaken. And this is, you can't escape this identity crisis and collapse unless you are a child of God. And if you're a child of God and you begin to find out who you are in Him and what you are in Christ, you can't lose that. It can't be taken away from you. It will not fade. It will not lose its power or strength. Oh, hallelujah. And you will be that a thousand years from now. And you will still be that a hundred thousand years from now. And you can know that now. And when you do. It anchors your soul. Hallelujah. And no matter what comes or goes or you have or you don't have, you still know who you are and whose you are and what you are and what you have. It changed your whole life. And you will stop being insecure. And you will get free. From all the inferiority issues. The truth. Will make you free. (laughs) Whew. I about preached myself happy already. Glory to God. Go with me please to Luke 12. We talked about. That your identity should not be. In your appearance. 
in your looks. Your identity should not be in your physique or in your athletic ability. Because it, it's changing as we speak. Isn't it? And I'm not saying just let yourself go and don't even try because there's no use. I didn't say that. But don't let fear grip you because you look in the mirror and it's not exactly the same face (laughs) that you used to see. You knew this was coming. (laughs) Did I lose somebody? I said you knew this was coming. (laughs) If you live, you're going to get older. On the outside. Not on the inside. Not on the inside. You look good on the inside. And the stronger you get in God, the better you look on the inside. And you have not aged a day since you were born again. You're not aging. Your spirit's not aging. Should be developing. Didn't the scripture say, though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Hallelujah. (laughs) Which means you will always be beautiful. You will always look good. Your body's going to change. It's just the sheaf your spirit is in. It's a husk. And one of these days, you're going to come out of it. People call it death. Death is not termination. It's transition. And the child of God should have zero fear of death. It means you will depart from here and go to be with the Lord. It's a trip. It's a departure. It's a trip. How many believe heaven is real? Just as real as Florida or Texas or Canada? Just much, much, much nicer. Are you going? I'm going. I'm going. Just a few more days or years or breaths. I'm going. See you there. Huh? You going? Come on, tell me you're going. You're going. You're going. I'm going. You're going. And we want to get everybody we can to go with us. Right? And if you thought right at all, you'd want to go. Luke 12. So our identity should not be in our looks or our bodies, our physiques, our athletic ability. Thank God for your health. Thank God for, for a body that works and functions normally. If it's not, thank God for healing and believe God for some healing. And um, there's really no such thing as a perfect body. Here's somebody talk about that. Well, a baby was born. It's a perfect baby. If you put them under the examination, the, the magnifying glass, you'll find that this eye's a little bit bigger than the other one. This arms a little bit longer. Why? Everything's been affected by the curse. And the moment 
Uh, you come into this world, you begin like the flower, like the plant to bloom and then peak and then age and decay. So uh, uh, you think, well, I've got so many imperfections. Everybody does, whether they admit it or not. Everybody. What you want is a body that functions good. <laughs> huh? Don't focus on perfection. On one that functions good. That serves you well as long as you need it. To do what you need to do in this life. Until you're done with this life. And you can have that. That's part of our inheritance. So our our looks shouldn't be our identity. What we want to talk about today. And I'm getting to the introduction here. (laughs) You want me to move quicker? No. Huh? Also, our identity should not be in our stuff, our possessions, our material things. And uh, a lot of folks have part, at least part, or some people a lot of their identity, even though they don't think about it. If they lost their house, or their nice car, or their nice clothes, or being able to go to their, those restaurants or that country club or whatever, they would lose part of their identity. They would have an identity crisis if they, if they, for whatever reason, either temporarily or otherwise, needed to live somewhere else, a smaller place, or have less stuff. It would be extremely difficult for them because... A big part of who they think they are is in this stuff. And if it's anything you can lose, your identity is in the wrong thing. You're just a matter of time before you're going to have an identity crisis. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 12. Luke 12 and 15. What had happened is a man came to Jesus and spoke out to him out of the crowd and said, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So obviously they're having an inheritance dispute. And he's just sure that Jesus is going to publicly tell his brother, uh, divide this with him. But he didn't. Jesus said to them, to all of them, he took it as an opportunity to tell everybody, including us, take heed. We might say today, watch out. <laughs> and beware of covetousness. Now here's an important thing to distinguish. The Lord is not opposed to you having some things or some money. He's not opposed to you being rich. He is opposed to you being covetous. And that has to do with love of things and money. You hear oftentimes people misquote scripture and say the Bible says money is the root of all evil. It does not say that. It says the love of money. And you can love money and have none. (laughs) It's the love of money. Not the money. The love of money. Money and stuff, a whole lot of it is not necessarily good or bad. Either way, it's just a thing. It's just a currency. It can be used for either one. And that's not the issue. The Lord's always looking at what? The heart. And and the problem is in loving stuff or money more than him or more than other people. That's a problem and a big one. 
Say it out loud, everybody. I don't love money more than people or God. We want to have his values, his priorities. He said, take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That's not what makes you, gives you a life, makes you a man or a woman, or makes you who you are. You hear people say dumb stuff, like the clothes make the man. No, they don't. You can put on a $100,000 suit and it ain't going to turn you into something else. You're still who you were before you put the suit on. The car doesn't make the man or woman. You can have a million dollar car and you're going to find out it gets dirty just like the $3,000 car. (laughs) And it's going to age and wear out and, and you can get your paint chipped in the in the parking lot, just like on a $500 car. It's a car. You're not going to get in it. And whammo zamo, you're some amazing person. <laughs> you're going to still be you. You can move in the big house on the hill with the acreage and the estate. It's not going to change you into, into somebody else. You might imagine you're somebody else. <laughs> You might get your nose up in the air. You might go around and act phony. But you're not somebody else. And the house doesn't make you somebody else. And it is just a house. <laughs> I felt like I lost somebody there. Somebody said, no, Brother Keith, not all houses are the same. I know that. But there is no house that's going to transform you and give you a permanent security and identity. And if you think it does give you something, you're deceived. And it's only a matter of time until you find that out. Houses, buildings, lands, stuff, vehicles, they don't make you something. They can't. They don't have the power to. Now, in this world, people think it does. But it's because the world is so phony, so false. Some of the people that seem to be riding so high and got their face everywhere and got all the stuff, the truth be known, when they get back home and they're alone, they are so insecure, they are so confused, they don't know who they are, what they are. You can see with their life, they try this, oh, this is it, this is it. Then next week, that ain't it. (laughs) Love of my life, love of my life. Next month, they're not. Got a new love of my life. They are completely unstable. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. They'll put on a good front. And sometimes they're so adamant about, I'm this. And you have to accept what I am. But then they're going to change it in three months. (laughs) And you can't help but be tossed around like that. Unless you are built on the rock. Hallelujah. Unless your life is built on something that can't be shaken. That can't be changed. You don't have to go through life searching for yourself. 
You hear people do that. We've heard of Christians. Left their spouse. Left their family. Left the ministry. Went off for months to go find their self. (laughs) It's pitiful. Pitiful ignorance. The only way a child of God can find their self. Is by finding out who Jesus is. Because I'm in him. And he's in me. I am what he's made me. In him. I am what he says I am. I have what he says I have. That's who I am. You don't have to leave town to find that out. (laughs) It's really pitiful. It is pitiful. How insecure people are. And how fearful they are. And unstable they are. Looking for this. Looking for something to hold on to. Trying to find myself. Well, one of the reasons is it hadn't been as strong in the church as it should have been. But you believe in God with me, right? That we, Branson Church, Sarasota Church, everybody join with us. We're not going to be a bunch of don't know who we are. No, we're not. No, we're not. I prophesy to you. Your life is changing. Hallelujah. Your life is changing. As we speak, as we're right here today, your life is changing. Confusion is being cleared up. Hallelujah. Darkness and blindness is coming off. Insecurities and fears are losing their power. They're losing their influence in your life because the truth is penetrating. Hallelujah. And establishing us on the solid rock that cannot be moved. I can find out who I am now. I can know it the rest of my life and know it forever. It's not going to change. And be happy about it. I can be glad if I'm doing good physically and if I'm looking good and got a nice suit, I can feel good about it, but I know all the time, that ain't who I am. I'm just as much who I am without it. I can get a nice car. I can enjoy it. But I don't have to have any fears that I'm going to have an identity crisis if I lose it. I was who I was before I got it. I'm who I am while I got it. I'll be who I am after it's gone. Right? And who you are in him is something to be glad about. Who you are in him is a rare treasure. I'm believing God to see this like we've never seen it before. I'm believing God for him to let us see us through his eyes. He calls us the apple of his eye. He calls us precious. We are so valuable to him. And when we see ourselves through his eyes, our insecurities are gone. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, uh, the rest of this passage goes on to say, this was the man that his crops brought forth and he said he didn't know where he was going to put them, so he's going to build bigger barns. You remember that? And, and uh And he just focused on himself. And the Lord said to him, verse 20, you fool, 
This night your soul is going to be required of you. Then whose shall those things be that you've provided? So is he, verse 21, verse 21, so is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, 1 Timothy talks about being rich in this world. Other places do too. Here, he refers to being rich in God. They are not the same. Said out loud, rich in this world. Rich in God. See, if you're only rich in money and stuff, you're not truly rich. It takes more than money and stuff to be truly rich. To be truly rich is to be rich in God. Hallelujah. Uh, Go to Proverbs 10, please. Proverbs 10. You know we believe in what people call prosperity around here. You're sitting in it. Is that right? (laughs) You know, people don't realize when they fight so-called prosperity message, this is what they're fighting. They're fighting anointed services. People getting to God. Having the equipment and resources to do it. But when we talk about being rich, there are folks that have used verses that talk about prosperity and have only focused on the natural material side too much and only. What you have is not a measure of how good your life is going. Isn't that what Jesus said? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Just because you got X amount of money by a certain age or you live in a certain thing, that don't mean that your life is going well. That alone does not show that you're doing good. In uh, Proverbs, a lot of you know this verse, but I want us to see something maybe we hadn't seen out of it. Proverbs 10, 22. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Listen to some other translations. The Holman translation says, the Lord's blessing enriches. And struggle adds nothing to it. Complete English version says, when the Lord blesses you with riches, you have nothing to regret. Now listen to the message translation. The message says, God's blessing makes life rich. Nothing we do can improve on God. (laughs) It's not having money that makes you blessed. Sometimes people look at folks and they they got a big house or they got some money or they got a nice car and they go, look how blessed they are. Well, you can't tell how blessed they are by looking at the house. The house is not a blessing. It's a house. The blessing is a real thing. And it's the blessing of the Lord that makes life rich. Oh, somebody's going to get this in here today. 
<laughs> we, we're not opposed to you having stuff. You know that. If you've been around here any length of time, we believe in thinking big, reaching big. But at the same time, no, no matter how much you ever get, that's not going to secure your identity. That's not going to give you a sense of worth. There's not enough money in all the world to buy one soul. We're going to talk about that more later. So money on a scale of truly valuable things is low. It has its place. And it's great to have enough to pay your bills and be comfortable and do what you're supposed to do and bless people. It's the will of God. But money is not blessing. Things are not blessing. The blessing is something else. You could lose a thing. You can keep the blessing forever. (laughs) You could lose money. Money's going to be spent and gone. But the blessing, you don't ever have to lose. There's coming a time real soon when no currency on earth is going to matter at all. I don't care how many millions or billions you had in this. It's going to mean nothing. It's going to be gone. But you can still be rich in God. You can be rich right now before you get another dollar. It changed your life the way you think. Rich now. Not trying to get rich. Not working on getting rich. Is rich. Am rich. Are rich. God's blessing makes life rich. Go to Ecclesiastes, please, the fifth chapter. Five and ten. That used to be a store, didn't it? <laughs> Five and dime, how about that? Ecclesiastes 5.10. He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. He that loves abundance he won't be satisfied with increase. This is also vanity. Say it out loud. I don't love money. I, don't love money. I, use, money. I use money. It doesn't use me. Doesn't use me. Money, serves me. money serves me. I don't serve it. I don't love money. I changed my vocabulary several years ago because the Lord checked me about it. I do not say I love a car or I love a house, or I love pizza, or pie. I just love that. I don't say that anymore. It's not a matter of being technical. It's a matter of adjustment of heart. These things are not worthy of love. You see people try to do it. I've seen guys spend endless hours in the garage with their car trying to fellowship with it. It's my baby, my baby. I love my car. I love my Corvette. I love my Mustang. It will never love you back. It's a cold piece of steel. Which is rotten and rusting as we speak. Amen, that's right. <laughs> and you're a fool. 
if you invest yourself too much in a thing that's just a thing. I love my house. Don't love it. Enjoy it. Be thankful for it. But it's a pile of lumber. Right? And paint. Which is not going to last very long. Everything down here, like we've said before, is like a gallon of milk with an expiration date on it. How many know a gallon of milk? You bring it home from the grocery store. What do you know? What do you know? Won't be long until this is not fit to use. Everything down here, everything down here is that way. Some of it lasts longer than others, but from the time you get it, it's an expiration date on it. It might outlast your time down here, but still, it's going to expire sometime. The scripture tells us, I'm going to read something to you that you already know, but I just I want to read it verbatim. The scripture says in Hebrews 1 and 11, don't go there, just listen. Verse 10, in the beginning it says, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They shall perish. What's going to perish? The earth and the heavens. But you remain. They will wax old as doth a garment, as a vesture. You'll fold them up and they'll be changed, but you are the same and your years shall not fail. Listen to 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3.10 says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works The works that are therein shall be burned up. Works are everything that was toiled over. Every building, every structure is going to liquefy. Somebody said, you believe in global warming? I go beyond that. (laughs) I believe in global melting. (laughs) Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved... What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens, he says it again, the heavens will be on fire. The sky, the atmosphere, and the surrounding space is going to be dissolved. It's going to be a huge noise. And the elements on the earth here are going to melt. That's the Greek word for liquefy, with fervent heat. Everything down here is going. There is nothing permanent down here. Nothing. We know our time down here is brief, but it's not just our time. This whole thing is going. But the Lord's got a plan. There's going to be new heavens and new earth wherein is no curse, no death, no pain, no sorrow, no dying. You can run through the jungle barefoot and never step on a thorn. You can wrestle a lion down to the ground and pinch his nose with no repercussion. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. This one has been so affected by sin and the curse and death, it needs to be wiped off. Which is why we should not get so hung up about anything down here. Because our good stuff is over there anyway. (laughs) 
They're working on our mansions. Is that right? Didn't the Bible, didn't Jesus say, I'm going to prepare a place for you? Didn't he say it? Say it out loud. They're working on my place. Today. That's your real place. That's your good place. So we shouldn't be, we're thankful for, for this stuff. But you just use it and keep going. You receive it, you use it, you give it, let it come, let it go. That's not who you are. It's not what you are. Now, closing, I think. In Ecclesiastes 5, are you still there? Here's the thing. What makes us rich? I know this is not like the world thinks, but this is the truth. Money is not what makes you truly rich. Stuff is not what makes you really rich. There's rich in the world and there's rich in God. There's temporary fading riches and there are true riches that never end, never stop. In Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, we read verse 10. He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Did you know no matter how, you'll think it, and I know some people may think you disagree with me on this, that car you think you want, when you get it, that will not be the end. You think, oh, that's all I'd ever want. You say that now. (laughs) But after you've had it, whether it's a few months or a year or two or whatever, you're going to start, they're going to come out with a new model. You're going to start looking at something else. Oh, that house is all I'll ever want. You say that now. But the eyes of man are never satisfied. When it comes to natural fulfilling of natural desire, it can't be satiated. There's no end. There will always be something else that you want. Is the Bible true? Then if you love silver, what's the truth? You will not be satisfied. You can never get enough to say, that's it. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> he that loves abundance of stuff and money and things, with it you can't be satisfied with it. It's vanity. Verse 11. When goods increase, they're increased that eat them. More stuff you get, more it takes to keep it up. Is that right? More maintenance and more work and more bills and, and more this and that and more people that, that get involved in it. And What good is there to the owners thereof save the beholding of them with their eyes? I mean, when you get past two or three or four cars or motorcycles or boats or whatever it is, you can't use all of them every day. Is that right? What do you, and you get past a certain amount of clothes and a certain amount of jewelry. You, what are you doing? You're just looking at it. It's about all you can do. <laughs> oh yeah like somebody said sow it yeah. and keep reading verse 12 the sleep of a laboring man is sweet whether he eat a little bit or much but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep why he's concerned about somebody's going to get it this is not enjoying blessing this is can't sleep Verse 19, get this now, every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth and, somebody say and, And. 
has given him power to eat thereof and take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Not the money, not the stuff, the power, the ability to enjoy it. That's being rich. I said, that's being rich. It's the blessing that makes you rich. Not the money. Not the stuff. There are people that's got more money than they could spend in three lifetimes. And they're absolutely miserable. They're suicidal. Their relationships are destroyed. They got nobody that wants to be with them or be around them. They do stuff. They go here and there. They're not enjoying any of it. You can't enjoy a new car unless the Lord's riding with you. You you can't enjoy a new house unless the Lord moves in. Come on, is that right? With you. You can't enjoy a new suit or a new dress or a new anything. You, You can't do it. Unless you have the sense that the presence of the Lord is with you. That he's pleased with you. That you're doing his will. Come on, are you listening? Hallelujah. In his presence is fullness of joy. And that's being rich. Oh, come on, somebody say hallelujah. That's being rich. When the Lord adds it to you. The blessing of the Lord is what made you rich. And you're able to enjoy it with your friends and your family and your church. Is that right? And you got the peace of God. You're not looking over your shoulder because you stole it and somebody's about to catch up with you. Come on, are you with You're not jumping every time you hear a siren. You're not hoping every morning when you get up somebody didn't find out what you did. No. That's not being rich. I don't care how much, how big the number is on your account. That's not rich. That's right. That's right. You know, the Lord said to some individuals in, in one of the churches in Revelation, he said, you think you're rich and you say, I got need of nothing. He said, but you don't know you're naked and you're blind and you're poor. He said, come to me. Let me give you something. Let me make you rich. Truly. Hallelujah. Let me, let me put something on you. The blessing of the Lord. The hand of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. The New Testament talks about the riches of His grace. The riches of the knowledge of Him. The riches of His wisdom. That's rich. And that's something you can keep forever. Somebody say forever. 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 He said. Oh hallelujah. Jeremiah 9. And 23. Jeremiah 9 and 23. Thus says the Lord. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. And don't let the rich man glory in his riches. Would this be somebody that this is their identity? Well, if you're glorying in it, that's who you think you are. You think you are who you are because of how smart you are. Your wisdom, your intelligence. You think you're who you are because of your physical strength and ability, your might. You think you're who you are because of your riches. The Lord said, don't do that. Don't glory in that. Don't think you're something because of that. 
But it's not the end of the verse. Keep going. Verse 24. Let him that glories. Glory in this. Are we hearing the Almighty speak to us? Glory in this. That he understands. And knows. Me. That's something to glory in. That I am the Lord. Which exercise loving kindness. Judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight. Says the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John 17, 3, he said, this is life eternal that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Big part of what makes you who you are is who you know. (laughs) Somebody say, I know somebody. I know somebody. somebody. (laughs) Who do you know? Come on, who do you know? Do you know? Do you really know the creator of the heavens and the earth? Does he call you son or daughter? Does he call you his very own child? That's who you are. And that can never be taken away from you. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Say out loud, I know him. I am his. He is mine. mine. I glory glory. in knowing you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes. Reach up your hands to the Lord. Oh, praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.